On the back of your bulletin, you will find the three catechism questions of the Lord's Day. I'd like to ask you to turn to that. I'd like to ask you to respond with the answers as I pose those questions. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? That out of the whole human race, <coughs> from the beginning to the end of the world, the Son of God, by His Spirit and Word, gathers, defends, and preserves for himself unto everlasting life a chosen communion in the unity of the true faith, and that I am and forever shall remain a living member of this communion. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that believers, one and all, as members of the Lord Jesus Christ, are partakers with him of in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that each one must feel himself bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the advantage and welfare of other members. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? That God, for the sake of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins nor the sinful nature with which I have to struggle all my life long, but graciously imputes to me the righteousness of Christ, that I may never more come into condemnation. In John chapter 10, which will be in later, but also here, beginning at verse 7, Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Out of the whole human race, from the beginning of time, till the end of the world. The Son of God, by his word and spirit, gathers, I am the door, defends, I'm the one who keeps the door, and I'm the one who protects, feeds, and, shelp, and takes care of the sheep, and preserves, providing for them all the sheep need in order to live, and preserves those things, those sheep, for himself. He doesn't pick us up and say to us, uh, I like you, I'm going to do this for you because you're so good. This is his work for his glory. And we are the demonstration of his glory. If you will, it's a kind of a poor image. But if you've ever seen an athlete, one who thinks he's good at least, uh, and he's got a trophy room with got trophies on the wall or trophies on the mantle. We are the trophies that God has that Jesus Christ has. He says, I bought this one. And before you say, oh, see, he thinks I'm really great. He says, no, no, no. It's a demonstration of how much I really am worth and how much I really did because he wasn't worth it, but I bought him anyway. And so Christ demonstrates his love and his mercy for us and to us. In John chapter 3, And verse 21, 
This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. They come to God. God takes them, brings them to himself, and continues to keep them forever. I am forever and shall remain a living member of this communion. The promise of God to us because of what he has done. So that puts us in a special category. Okay? God chose us. God elected us. God determined that he was going to make us presentable to him and then pleasurable to him. And so he's been doing that. You'll notice there's one thing he didn't do. He didn't ask us if that's what we wanted. You don't ask a trophy if it wants to come sit on your mantelpiece. You take it there, as Jesus did for us. And so he has chosen us for reasons known only to himself, reasons that indeed give him glory. What do you understand by that, the communion of saints? Well, first, believers one and all are members of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I have taken you to myself. You are members. I have bought you. I have paid for you. And I have united myself to you by my spirit. But secondly, that having done that, he expects that each of us will recognize what that means. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. What part of your body can live without the rest of your body? None. The body's dependent on itself. The body's dependent on all of it. And so we, who have become the body of Christ, Christ has become our head, and the head controls the body. And the head unites the body, the head keeps the body together, and the head expects that the body's going to do what it says. So when Jesus Christ says we're supposed to do something, like we're supposed to live as if we consider each other more important to us than we are to ourselves, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he expects that's what will happen. Just like your body expects that when you tell the right leg to move, it does. Or you tell the right hand to pick up a teacup, and it does. So we need to recognize that because we have been brought into the communion of saints, because we have been made into one body, that communion, we are expected to follow what the head tells us to do. And we are supposed to, to, excuse me, we are expected to do with the rest of the body 
what the rest of the body needs and what the head tells us we should do with them. So we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to the rest of the body. I hate to say it this way, but I don't have any rights in the church. You don't have any rights in the church. We're all part of a body. And we all belong to the body. And we are all under the authority of the body uh, for the purpose of building up the body and caring for the body, strengthening the body. We don't belong to ourselves. I can't say, ah, today's my day off. What would happen if the heart said, today's my day off? I can't do that. I am a member of a body and responsible to be a a member of the body doing the things that I was told to do. So what about that third question? What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins, which is, of course, necessary for us to be engrafted into Christ? In 1 John 2, verse 2, He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Please, we're not preaching universalism. What we're preaching is, after Adam and Eve sinned, the only reason the world continued was that Jesus Christ was going to come, and he was going to pay the penalty for sin, and he was going to take to himself all those whom he and the Father had already chosen, So the world was going to continue until such time as the full number of the elect were gathered in. That's what he said to Noah. Until the end of the world, day and night, summer and winter, will not cease. Springtime and harvest. The world will continue because God has said, I will accept Jesus' sacrifice and Jesus' sacrifice is for that. But that sacrifice is so that the whole number of the elect can be gathered in. Others will benefit in a limited sense, but the whole number of the elect will benefit in an eternal sense. We will be with him forever. Others will profit in this world to some extent. The sun will shine, the rain will fall, food will be there. But when the life ends, that's when the mercy ends. That God, for Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins, nor the sinful nature with which I have to struggle all my life long. All my life long. In Romans chapter 7, we see that. Verses 24 and 25. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What does that tell me about the forgiveness of sins? That God has prepared to forgive my sins, is going to continue to forgive my sins. He will discipline them. He will confront me with them. He will make sure that I understand that I have sinned. But he will forgive them, even though he knows in advance what they're going to be and how many of them I'm going to commit. He's committed himself to me that far. That's even more than a mother and father. That's even more than a socialist society. 
that's the Savior we come to, be, to worship. That's the Savior we're here today to worship. For the sake of Christ's satisfaction, God will no more remember our sins, nor the sinful nature, but he will graciously impute to me the righteousness of Christ so that I may not come into condemnation. That's our hope. And that's what we rejoice in as we see it begin and consummate in our lives. Would you take your hymnals? Would you turn with me to hymn 345? The hymn deals with the nature of the church. Zion was a picture of it. And those of us who are in the church of Jesus Christ, not just here, but everywhere in the world, we are that body, that church that he has, city, has made, that city that he has built. <clears throat> 